Blog Talk Radio. Listen, for those of you that are going through, for those of us that are waiting on His promise, understand God has not forgotten you. When times get tough, you got to look up to heaven and encourage yourself and say, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we have an interesting show tonight. Yes, we do. Oh, man. This is somebody that we've been waiting to have on for a while now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, she's been a guest of our show in the past, and... We just could not wait for her to come back. So I know we're going to have a great show. And uh, and Greg, I have like we've been doing in the past. I want to encourage people to not forget about Haiti. The nation of Haiti still needs your help. You know, people have been talking about how they got a million or a billion dollars or whatever put into the country, but you have to remember that that country had been ravaged by a devastating earthquake. Now they face mudslides and torrential rains, and the the country has already been in disarray and was already in trouble prior to the the earthquake. And with hurricane season looming, um, and already here actually, you know, one hurricane could completely wipe it out the map. I want people to pray for Haiti. I want them to send... You know, donations, financial, whether it be clothing or food or whatever means you have, do that for the nation of Haiti. But yeah. most of all, pray for them because they need our prayers more than they need our help. Uh, but, Greg, we got an awesome show tonight, and I tell you, it's going to be good because we got hey, some good what, stuff. Brian, Brian, our guest, I, ooh, ooh Brian, <laughs> we, she, you know, she, she's such a beautiful woman inside and out. She's been through a lot of stuff. She knows what she's talking about. And Brian, tonight's topic is declare your womanhood. Mm-hmm. And everybody on Facebook, they're listening right now, Brian. <laughs> I have over 5,000 friends on Facebook. I'm not going to say I receive 5,000 emails, but I, I got a lot of messages on Facebook. Everybody wants to know um, what our guest is going to talk about with declare uh, your womanhood, and everybody's been asking about the clothes she's wearing. Everybody wants to know about the cakes. She was putting pictures and all of that stuff on Facebook, and I'm like, she's not talking about that. She's talking about some serious stuff. I'm not mm-hmm. saying the dressing and the, and the cake, but I'm not saying that's not important because I want one of the cakes myself, but let's go ahead and bring her in, Brian. I don't want to take up too much time. Yes, sir. We have with us on the air Miss Trisha Banks. She, like so many women today was raised in a single parent household much of her life with no positive male influence in the home this she believes was a a factor that led to the poor lifestyle decisions that she made in the past she shares openly her personal story of overcoming substance abuse and emerging from the life as an adult entertainer she strongly believes that we all overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Ladies and gentlemen, best-selling author, Miss Tricia Banks. Thanks. Hello, hello. <laughs> How are you doing? We're so excited to have you on the show tonight. I'm so excited to be here. And let me, on the front end, I'm going to apologize if you hear if you hear me talking to anyone. We're at the church right now <laughs> getting things prepared, getting uh, some last-minute things done. So I'm out here. I'm in my office with people kind of are coming in and asking me questions. So I'm, if, if I seem a little scattered, <laughs> just uh, I'm apologizing up front. So, but I, I'm here. I'm with you. And ready to talk tonight. I tell you what, let me ask you this. Are you dressed up? I am not. I have a <laughs> ponytail, <laughs> blue jeans. 
and just and then a, a little top on. I'm not dressed up at all. What now, she Brian, means she, is she is you, working. You. <laughs> but, but, but you know what, Brian? Better than yet, she says she's not dressed up now. To when we see, I, I guarantee you, if she took a picture right now and we saw it, we'll be like, okay, she's she's dressed up. She's dressed up in that, so she knows how to wear it. But, but Trish, we, we wanted we wanted to talk about the declare your womanhood. What is what is that about? Uh, conference this our conference is this year is is titled. Actually, I'm saying our conference this year is our very first women's conference. Let me say that first. We've been in ministry for three years here in Atlanta, and our conference theme is declare your womanhood. That actually, my husband, I credit, I'll, I'll give him credit. Uh, he came up with the theme for the conference, Declare Your Womanhood. I kind of wanted to do something else, but, you know, it, it grew on me the more I started thinking about um, how today, how we as women, we, we need to stand up and declare our womanhood. I'm, I'm going to try to gloss over because I don't want to give away everything I'm going to talk about on Friday night. But it's just, it's time for us to stand up and declare who we are, not just as a female, but as a woman of God. Everything that God, you know, he's invested so much in us, no matter what state we're in or no matter how we think uh things are going or no matter what things look like. You know, we look too much at how things look like and what our situations and circumstances are. But God has invested a lot in us. So it's time for us to stop sitting around. It's time for us to stop being, you know, lazy about the gifts and the awesome talents that God has blessed us with and declare. That that word declare means to make known who it is and who we are, not just selling back and taking any old thing and just being mediocre. We're all great in the kingdom of God. God has put greatness and destiny on the inside of us. It's time for us as women to make it known who we are. Awesome, awesome. And I'm sure Brian had a question for you. I'm not going to hog it tonight, Brian. No, you good, you good. <laughs> you know, my question is, now, you say your, your husband came up with the title. Yes. But what does that title mean to you? To me, declare your womanhood means it's time. As I said earlier, we've got to declare. We've got to make a declaration. See, a lot of times people think we make a declaration by what we say, but we also make a declaration by what we do our actions or lack of actions, as a matter of fact. So it means that it's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to get up from our relaxed positions. It's time for us to get out of our comfort zone. For me, it's time, you know, you know, people read your, your, your bios and talk about different done before, and that's all well and good, but even for me personally, it's time for me to, to rise from where I currently am to go even to other levels, because there are other levels. It's time to get up from uh, comfort zones and be and do what God has called for us to do. So for me, it means it's time to get up. It's time to get in action. It's time to stop putting stuff off. It's time to stop shifting responsibilities to other people. It's time to get up and be the women, to be what God has called us to be. It's just it's time. It's, it's time. It's past time. And many of us are overdue. You know, I, I get so tired. I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for, for anybody that's listening. I'm going to speak for me. I'm tired of even for myself having these lists. You know, all these things that I want to do, I need to do, I'm supposed to do, and, you know, many of those lists are still unfulfilled. You know, how many people have dreams and aspirations? I'm not even talking about big, grand things, but things that we know we're supposed to be doing, but we're not doing. And it ends up being a hindrance and holding us back, and not just holding you back, but there are other people whose destinies are dependent on you doing what you need to do. So we no longer need to be a hit, not only to ourselves, 
but to those other women who are surrounding us. You know, it's funny that you say that because you have done so much. You've written a book. Uh, you, you, your husband moved to Atlanta. You started your own ministry. You're, you're doing things every every week. It seems like you're always doing something. I'm always receiving emails from you. You guys feed the hungry every year, I think, at Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving, I believe. And you Christmas, just do so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do so much. And you're talking about declaring your womanhood, and you just said you're speaking for yourself. There are some other things that you would like to do. For for the woman out there that has a book inside of her that's gone through a lot, um, when you say declare your womanhood, uh, you may be talking to that woman that's been raped or molested as a little child, but they're holding on to that, and they don't want anybody to know about that, and, and sometimes that that blocks them from moving forward. How can yeah. they do that? Because I get emails all the time, I want to write a book, but I want to do this, but. And it's not the fact that they don't know how to write the book. They are afraid of what and how society is going to take the book and how family will respond to the book itself. I mean, I want you to touch on that because you kind of did that. Right, right, exactly. Now, here, here and, 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 and again, I'll speak from personal experience. When I first, you know, came out of, you know, my own situation with after having uh, worked in the strip clubs and after having done drugs and being pregnant and not married, just all, you know, just the whole game of it, um, having had uh, two abortions and um, I'm, I don't, I'm probably leaving a few things out, but you know, it depends on where that person is in her own process because initially I I did not want anyone to know any of those things about me because I I was thinking more about what other people would say, you know, I, I, as opposed to how it could help someone else. And for me personally, I believe it, it took um, – you know, and people say, oh, you're so courageous. And, and I don't think, you know, it has to do with courage. I think it starts with sharing one person at a time. I mean, if, if, if we're talking about someone who truly wants to share her story, but she um, is, has, you know, these types of feelings about it, then I would start on a lower level because you can't really go from, you know, I'm I'm ashamed to let me tell the world. So I would start with a few with with sharing my story with someone that I know is going through a similar situation. Because see, our testimony is best received by someone who's going through the same thing. So I would start there, and along that process, praying to God and asking Him to give you, you know, the wisdom and discernment to know when to share. Because every time I I don't always share my story. Just it, it, I, I go with you know just the leading of God on do I share in this environment or not. Um, but praying and asking God for wisdom, praying for discernment of how to share my story. Do I share it in a book? Do I? And, and here's something that I did. This is how I began with my testimony. I I, I started by simply writing it down. I started with. I think I went back to um, when I left home to go to college because that's when a lot of it started. So I just called, I sat down one day and just started writing and wrote my story out. Once I wrote it out, and I hadn't told anybody, hadn't even told my mother, I wrote it out. She was the first person that I had read it because she didn't know everything that I had done. So... That's a good starting point by getting it out of you and onto paper. And once I did that, God began to show me how to share my story with other people, and he created opportunity for me to share my story with other people. So I'm sure it's different for every person, but my advice to someone in that situation would be write it down. Write it down, no matter how painful it might be. There were times where I, when I was writing that, I, I mean, I was crying 
as I was writing, just having to relive, you know, some of the moments, some of the things that I had gone through. But that would be an excellent starting point. And then you can build from there and let God show you how do I go about sharing this. You know, do I put it in a, in a pamphlet and, and share it with teenage girls who are going through similar things? Do I uh, expand on it and, and make it a book? You know, do I build a sermon around it? So there are many ways, you know, that we can share our story. Yes, yes. You know, and it's interesting that you talk about how you first shared your story because that may be the most difficult time that you may have in sharing a story. You know, if you have you know, whatever you've gone through. You know, I know that um, in the past I battled uh, alcoholism. And I wasn't like, uh, you know, going to the AA meeting type of person. I just decided that I wasn't going to do it anymore. And so initially it was kind of difficult because I wasn't really talking to anybody or telling anybody. But the more people I talked to, the easier it became to where now I could be in a room and everybody could be drinking and it wouldn't even phase me. Right, right. And you'll be surprised. What really surprised me, the more, see, you know, we kind of want to handpick who we share our story with. There have been so many older women, women in their 60s, 70s, who come up to me after I spoke and gave, you know, shared my testimony, you know, somewhere in the message that came to me and said, you don't know how much I needed to hear that. Because there are people who are in bondage to what happened to them years ago. And so, and I think the thing is so many people feel like they're alone, like surely no one else has gone through it, like I went through it. But when they hear my story, I mean, one woman, she had to be in her 70s, and she was in tears, she was crying, and she recounted a story to me of how she had been molested by a close person in the family, and she was not believed. And she had been carrying guilt around and hatred in her heart all these years Mm -hmm. for something that happened when she was a little girl. And she said it so freed her, and I and I just there was I, there was there were no words, there was nothing I could say because she would have been the last person <laughs> that I would have thought would have come to me after hearing my story, saying you know I, I felt that or that impacted me. So we have to be careful that we don't hold back on our story if God is telling us to share it because we don't think that this particular person or that particular person um, could can relate. You know, we never know. And if God is directing us to share at any given time, we need to do it because he knows why he's having us to share with a certain person. We don't always know, and it doesn't always make sense to us, but God has a reason behind it. That's right. Right, That's right. right. And, you know, and, and when... Uh, did this person ever come out and tell anybody about the molestation? I think you said it was from a family member. Right. She shared it uh, with her mother, and her mother didn't believe her. It was, right. Did she share it? No. Yeah, did she? No, no, no. No one knew. No one knew. Yeah. She had been holding it. She was embarrassed. When her mother didn't believe her, she was just really embarrassed, and she, she, no one else knew about it. Wow, wow, that is, that is that's tough, especially you know when you go to your mother, and, and it's almost like she's taking the other person's side over yours. And right. I'm, yeah, and I'm sure she. Yes, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know that I'm you know that happens a lot, and I'm finding that that happens a lot when it's the mother's boyfriend and the 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 one the mother doesn't want to believe because to believe it means I have to do something about it. It means that I've got to I've got to put him out or I've got to check him on it and if he is my source then I 
can't do that because how we go, you know, how am I going to make it? Because he's provided for me, and that was the situation for her, and I know it's the situation in many, many households. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. That that's that's tough. That's that's definitely a tough one. And you yeah, know, so we, when, you know, we need to share. We need to share because you know we you know it's it's time to stop sweeping stuff under the carpet. And you know we got to share what's going on because you know we could be helping. We end up helping somebody else. You know, somebody else's child, somebody else's niece or mother or sister. But it's just time to to go ahead and 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 make those make those steps, and, and it's hard, but, you know, we've got to be be bold enough to trust God. I mean, if he's leading us that way, there's a reason for it, and, and what I've found is that we'll understand it later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, now with, with the conference that you're having, declaring the, your womanhood. Yes, the conference is this weekend. It is in Atlanta. It's going to be at our ministry, Change for Life Outreach. We will begin Friday night at 8 p.m. Doors open at 7.30. I'll be speaking Friday night. And then on Saturday, we're going to have all-male session speakers. Uh, We're going to have my husband will be speaking, Bishop Anthony Jenks. We're going to have uh, Bishop-elect Frank Bobo. He's also from the Atlanta area. His church is Will of the Father Christian Ministries. And um, my spiritual father is coming from Fort Myers, Florida. He's going to speak as well. He's going to be one of the session speakers. And then at the very end, we're going to have a Q&A session where women have already started submitting questions um, online. Uh, they're going to answer your questions, and the questions have been great. I can't wait to hear how they're going to answer the questions, but any type of question, it doesn't matter what it is about, about marriage, about sex, about finances, about God, they've, they've been coming in, so they're prepared to answer those questions. So if, if you wanted to ask a man, of not, not just any man, a man of integrity, a question that's been burned and you want to know, you can submit your questions. Um, we have a website set up for the conference. It's www.declareyourwomanhood.com. And once you're on that uh, site, you can get all the information about the conference, about the speakers. Uh, the conference is free. There's no charge. You can act if you're in the Atlanta area or come into the Atlanta area this weekend. You just go online. There's a free registration page where you can also submit your questions or you can send an email to questions at com. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, declareyourwomanhood.com, and submit your questions through, directly through the website. But that's this weekend. We're really excited. As I said, it's our first women's conference, and we're, we're looking for a, a packed house and just ready to impart into the women who come. Friday night is actually open, uh, men or women. Uh, Saturday will be uh, for the ladies, though. But it, it's, going, it's going to be awesome. These three uh, men of God are men that I know have great integrity and who just straight preach. So I'm saying it's a session, but we're going to get some good preaching and teaching and impartation. So I'm, I'm just, I am so excited about it, especially about having my husband to speak and, and my spiritual father who is dynamic. So it, it's going to be a great weekend. Now, I, I want to talk about this this thing when you said people, uh, I guess the women can ask the men questions if it's dealing uh-huh. with uh, sex and whatever. Now, you know uh-huh. that usually don't, you know both churches are not going to open up to that. I guess it's a tradition. Well, you don't, I don't know, know the what people. <laughs> I think we must, we must draw those that don't care. <laughs> <laughs> because the questions that we've been getting, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going to go there. And they're but just you know the, the, say it again. But you know what though? That's how it should be. You should be able to ask those types of questions and you should be able to go to the church. 
and ask any questions that you feel you need an answer for. That's what the church is for. It, it, and you have so many people that are afraid. And Brian can attest to this. We went to different churches to teach abstinence to kids. Uh-huh. They don't want you coming in there teaching that. They don't want you talking about sex, period. They don't want you talking about homosexuality. They don't want you talking about um, just sex. Anything just that's taboo or risque. They don't, oh, they don't well, want to. <laughs> I found that shit. <laughs> yeah, when you think about where we come from, it, you know, we, we have to talk about that kind of stuff. We have to, uh, you know, our our we have this big, big banner that's on our wall at the front of the church which talks about our unique call and the fact that that change for life we know that we've been called to reach what we call the Lazarus generation and the Lazarus generation are those who society has put in the grave those who everyone else says oh no I'm not going to go get them you know, whether they tell, surely he stinketh by now. You know, who wants to deal with that mess? That's the people that we're trying to reach at Change for Life Outreach. So we already, we're prepared to handle and to deal with those uh, individuals just based on our own history, our life experiences. And it's just amazing how God, it's not even that we're out soliciting those people. They're, they're just coming. They're coming. And, and, you know, I believe they go to all the churches or to any church, but it's just that when they get there, how they're treated, when they get there, they're looked down upon. You know, if you don't have the right clothes on, if your hair ain't the right way, if you don't smell, you know, they're look, so they leave. And so many people have been injured by the church when it's the church that's supposed to be there to help people. But if you don't fit into the mold of what we think you need to be, then you're not made to feel welcome because, really, we don't want you back. So, you know, they don't treat them in a manner that Christ would treat them. But those are exactly the kind of people that we, we want to bring in here at Change for Life. So and it's, just, it's so rewarding and amazing to see somebody come in a certain way and then six months, nine months, a year later, to see them, and they're a totally changed person. That's what happens at change <laughs> for life. Yeah, 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 yeah. You and know, and I, and I think it's, yeah. I was going to say, I think it's important that when you do um, interact with people, you know, in whatever setting it may be, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be church. It could just be up and down the street, and you see somebody that, the impression that you should have as a believer should be one that, that that is favorable. And, you know, I believe that so many times you you run into those folks that have gone to all these other places, and once they find somebody that spirit is right or is, right. Or is aligned with what they believe ought to be right, you know, that's when it clicks, that's when the light clicks on and they say, hey, you know what, I think I'll be comfortable here. They don't treat me like I'm just anybody, you know. Right. Or they don't treat me like I'm a nobody, you know. I feel right. like I'm somebody here. Right. You know? Right. So they so will me, be answering those questions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your question is about. It, those questions will be answered. Mm-hmm. Let me change gears just a little bit. I want to talk about your transition. You know, because we talked about how people have been changed. You know, if you don't mind, share with us your story and how you were changed. Okay, my transition, you know, I I, I tell people I'm I'm still transitioning. <laughs> I'm, I'm still a working, <laughs> I'm still a working process, uh, as we all are. But for mm-hmm. me, um, I think before I was able to, transition, I had to really, I had to be brought down because on the path that I was going, I would have continued on that path. It worked for me, and I would have just to to be on that vein. Um, I, I was up, I was in Atlanta because I lived in Florida, but moved from uh, Fort Myers up to Atlanta to go to school, 
I went to school, did everything else. In addition to that, uh, found myself working in the strip club, and you know that was real neat and fun experience for about a year. But then, you know, I met um, uh, met I guess I can say a man, and uh, <laughs> I was all in love and got married. And and no, I shouldn't have even up to the day before, but my mom had, you know, rented the place and paid for my dress and everything, so I went through with it because preparations had been made, uh, not because I wanted to and, and figured, like I'm sure many people listening do, think, you know, it'll work out. Well, guess what? It didn't work out. We were married for about 18 months, um, and then he actually decided he was going to leave. Uh, he was having an affair, and he ended up leaving, so I was like, okay, if you want to go, go, and he left, and I found myself in a place that I couldn't afford. I was back in school, had stopped dancing, but because resources weren't what they were when we were together, I went back to what was familiar. I went back to dancing and was in school, was still working and was dancing, but, you know, things were different. I had this situation that happened, so, you know, I started smoking marijuana, was drinking every night at work, um, getting high before work, during work, after work, uh, met a, a, a young lady who we became uh, really close friends, and she introduced me to lace joints, which is putting the pushing up the crack cocaine and putting it in the marijuana, either in the paper or in a blunt or whatever. So we would get high, you know, every day before work and drinking. It was it was a really um, fast-paced lifestyle. Um, it just was no good for me. Um, but did that for, for, for maybe two or three years. Um, I'm going to fast-forward a little bit because there's so, so much in the story but ended up in the process of all of this meeting another man. And, you know, I just come out of this one relationship, so I wasn't looking to get serious with anybody. And But, you know, we kind of started hanging out together and, and, and being with, together. And, you know, he was nice and I liked him and everything, but still, I didn't want nothing serious. Well, things got more serious, and we really kind of started uh, liking one another and enjoying one another's company. I think we had a brief moment of sobriety and ended up actually talking about the Lord one day. And we both kind of snapped our necks and looked at each other like, what you know about God? You know, but neither one of us thought the other knew anything about God. But um, we kind of started looking at each other a little bit differently. And... Um, was still dancing and everything, but we got a little we got a little more more serious with one. I'm sorry, my son. Okay, hold on one minute, okay? Okay. <laughs> we ended up being a little more <laughs> a little more serious, and um, I got pregnant. And you have to get my book to get all the little in between parts. But I ended up getting pregnant. This I was I stopped dancing. He and I kind of were serious, so I stopped dancing. Was working and everything, but was pregnant. And the bottom fell out. Ended up having to move back home. Had to leave him up here because he was kind of not sure what he wanted to do. And we were separated for a year. We came back together after some trials and tribulation after a year, and we got married in Florida, who is my current husband, uh, Bishop Anthony Banks, uh, got married down there. I mean, immediately just became engulfed in ministry. And when I say engulfed, it wasn't needy, ways to be, but just completely engulfed in ministry. And he began uh, serving uh, Dr. Glover. He was his armor bearer and was just completely sold out, changed man. And um, we now have three children together. Uh, actually, we have four children together. His oldest son, Anthony, lived, came to live with us three months after we got married. He will be 19 this year. And then we have three children together. And, you know, we moved from Florida and 
2007 back up to Atlanta, and, and we kind of came full circle. Now we're in the ministry. Um, for me, but back, I think your original question, I said all of that, talking about my transition, um, it really, ha- you know, it was slow. It was it it was fast and it was slow. The deliverance from the drugs and alcohol that was fast. That happened very quickly. Um, I, I I praise God and I thank Him. You know, I, I didn't go have to go through you know a program or rehab. I, I didn't do any of that. Um, but once I was sober, I finally had to deal with my divorce because I did I, I I never dealt with it because I was high every day. I mean from the day that my ex husband left I was high or drunk or a combination of both every day. Every day for about two years. So I never really had to deal with the fact that he left because I I, I self medicated so I didn't have to deal with it. So now I'm sober <laughs> So now I've got to deal with and process through, you know, the events, the things that had happened. And what really helped me in my transition was writing because I had to get it was so, I had so stuffed and buried it down on the inside. Uh, writing was a good outlet for me, writing and prayer. Um, of course, my husband, who he is just the greatest, and I won't <laughs> Uh, he's he's wonderful. He's just, he's so supportive. Um, he's helped me a lot. He pushes me when I don't want to be pushed, and I think that's what really helps me. And and probably it would be an issue for some women because it's like leave me alone. You know, you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and it's not so much he doesn't do it in that way, but I have I had to really stop and kind of listen, you know, to his advice and to his suggestions. And what I found is that many times the things that he's kind of prompted and urged me to do, it's like, oh, man, that was a good idea. <laughs> but he's just, he's really helped me a lot to process through. He's really, I, I credit him. You know, of course, I, it's God. It's the God working through him. But I credit him for me being where I am today. If we weren't together, I don't know. You know, sure, I, I could have married someone else and been successful. Yeah, I know. I don't know. We'll never know. But I do know that it's been his leading me. It's been his guiding me. It's been his just prompting me and pushing. He's so supportive. He, you know, he doesn't, he's never tried to hold me back. Sometimes I find myself going, okay, I, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, you just think I can do whatever. But I, I, I really credit my husband because he he's just been so supportive of me and pushing me to do things that he saw in me that I didn't see. So I really had to, to, to trust, you know, trust God in some of the steps that I've made because I didn't think I could do many of the things that I that I've done. So you think so you're saying that some of the women out there they really need to listen to their husband a little bit more. Well, you know, the you see here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. You know, the Bible says that, you know, you know, you're gonna get the men to say, you know, you need to submit, you need to submit and I, a lot of men use that. But, you know, the thing that my husband and I like to to, to dwell on as well is that the other part of that scripture says, you know, the uh, husband needs to treat his wife like right. Christ treats the church. I mean, if you're being treated like Christ treats the church, then, you know, submission kind of follows. And that word submit really has a bad rap, I think, because most people hear the word submit, you think about being under somebody's rule and somebody, but that's not, you know, what it means. You know, you're 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 yielding to someone else, but that someone else is treating you like gold. So what's the problem? <laughs> I have no problem, you know, submitting to my husband because I know he's got my best interest in mind. I know he's got my back. I know he no, I want. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I want to ask you this, too. With so many of the women out there being single, and when they do find their Adam and they do find the man, uh, the man that, that's going to be their husband or whatever, and they've been dating, 
and you know, a lot of women they've been single for a long time, they have children, they're not gonna just let you come in and fully take over. At some point yeah, well, you, see, that's, point, see, that, see that's the right what you just said. If you're going into it with that and if that's the mindset, that's yeah, it's gonna be an issue. It's it see it shouldn't be a matter of somebody coming in and taking over. What I, I you know, we need to get back to cold dominion, cold rulership. It's not that you are you have authority over me or I have authority over you. We're doing this together. What what do you bring to the table that I'm lacking? That I let you do that because you do that and I don't or you do that better than me. And then what do I do? What do I bring to the table that it's just that's not who you are or it's not in your repertoire right now. So I do that. I handle that because it's what I do. How do we enhance one another? How do I bring all of me and you bring all of you into this relationship so that we can have co-dominion, so that we are ruling and reigning and, and operating in authority together? Not you over me or me over you. We're we're doing this together. So if I've been in a household where I'm single and I have children, I've been doing this for a while and I'm comfortable and with, with myself, maybe I don't need to hook up with somebody else because my mindset isn't one where I want to have co-dominion. I want to tell you what to do because I'm grown and I'm independent and I don't need no man. So we got to check ourselves. Have I made room in my life for someone else to come in and to help me and to assist me? And is this man that I'm bringing in the person to do that? Oh, I know Brian is jumping. Hey, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm loving the conversation. I, I really we can barely <laughs> hear you, Brian. We can barely hear you. All right, I'm, I'm loving the conversation. You know, I actually put my headset up and I was just listening. <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's it's so true because you know we we look at it wrong. It's, it's like your the perspective is, is is all wrong, is messed up. And then if he's not treating you in that way, then well, yeah, no, I mean, you're not coming in and taking over because no, look at the, how you treat. But then how many people go ahead and do it and they live like. All hell because you know you're fighting and you're bickering and he trying to tell you to do it or she won't do what I'm telling her to do or she trying to be my mama you know it, it's like no no baby y'all didn't do no kind of counseling or nothing did you <laughs> you know you got you're doing this thing together you're operating together there are parts you know when I look at uh, my marriage you know there are things that my husband does that I don't want to do. And I'm not going to try to tell him how to do it. That's his thing. That's his area. He does that. And vice versa. There are things that I do that enhance him. There are things that he does that enhances me. If that other person doesn't enhance you, see, we the, the problem is we got to stop looking for people to complete us. I don't want somebody to complete me. She's she gone. She left. I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't want somebody to complete me. I'm already complete. I want. I I need to be already complete before I enter into marriage, because nobody can complete me. And if you're looking for somebody, some person to complete you, you're gonna be disappointed. You know that they'll never meet the bar. Already be complete before you get married. Well, I'm, I'm already a whole person. Now, this person that I'm yoking up with has has talents, has gifts, has the, you know, whatever is unique about them that can enhance the person that I already am. So I'm not disappointed. I'm not let down because they don't make me feel, you know, a certain way because, you know, those of you who are married know that even in the best relationship, you're going to have days where you don't feel it. You just, you're not going to feel it every day. So on the days that I don't feel it, I'm not mad at him because I don't feel it. You know, maybe I need to look at myself. So already, you need to already be 
complete and happy with who you are before you get married, not that you're looking for somebody to bring the missing piece of the puzzle. My puzzle is already put together. Can you handle the puzzle? Wow. Wow. You know, can you take that puzzle and put it in a frame? You know, the people do. They frame puzzles, and that frame enhances it. The frame don't make it. If I take it out of the frame, the puzzle is still the puzzle. The frame just enhances it. That's so true. That's so true. And you know, you know I, 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 I never actually ahead, thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian, I was going to ask her, you have so many women now, uh, like you were saying, I don't need a man. Uh, I, 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 well, you you probably don't need one, but <laughs> when, when women say that, when women say that, do they really mean what they're saying, or are they saying it to justify them being single? Well, see, I, I can't, you know, I can speak for people that I know. You know, I can't speak for all women. Um, there there are women who are, you know, they're successful, um, you know, in their careers or they're happy with who they are, and they don't feel the need to be married. And, I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, down them for that or, or – judging about the fact because every, everybody doesn't need to be married. And if you're somebody who knows you don't need to be with don't with somebody else, then it's probably best you to not be married. Um, but, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, I, I believe that it's God's will and desire for us to be married. You know, uh, Bishop Banks was talking about this on Sunday. He says, you know, I believe it, it, it's God's will for you to be married, but if you choose not to marry, we are to marry ourselves to the church. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you took a poll, <laughs> that probably isn't the case. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman being single, um, but how are you living your life? You know, is it all about me? You know, what's What's that about? So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't look down on somebody if she chose, you know, to be single, you know, for whatever reason. Many times it's because, I, you know, they've been hurt, you know, in past relationships and by men and they've become bitter, um, you know, and harboring, I'm sure, resentment for men. But then you probably sure you have another category where, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy with my life. I like how things are and, you know, I, I just choose not to be married, and I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it's the and I know what you're saying because even when you see it, I can see somebody's head going, "I don't need a man." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason, the question would be, you know, why is it that you feel that way? You know, and if the question, and if the answer is because all men are dogs, well, okay, well that's your experience because all men are not. So. Some of that is probably personal experience um, more than anything else. Yeah. Mm. Well, I tell you what, Brian, we 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 learn a lot. I mean, I, I am. I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you're you're saying a lot of things, and it's so right on point that as men, it wouldn't be received the same way that you're saying it. And and another thing too, I I, I want to say this: How important is it? For the wife to support her husband, and for the husband to support the wife. Oh, that is that is so important, and it's probably one you know one uh, I wouldn't say. Well, I think it's a, a major reason why uh, many marriages don't survive because because they don't support one another, and it's so important that you do um, when are you you know for example when. When uh, my husband and I first got married, I wasn't ready for what was about to take place. Um, you know, we had gone through what we went through together with the drugs and everything, you know, meeting in the strip club and just that kind of wild, fast life that we had at that time, knowing that when I did marry again, I wanted, you know, to settle down with a Christian man we'll have our kids and have our nice little home and our nice little life, and we'll go to church on Sunday. <laughs> that's what I was. That's what I was expecting. So when he came down, he asked me. He said, "I hope you're ready." And I'm thinking, "You hope I'm ready. I hope you're ready." 
but he won out because um, he was, it was just, he was totally engulfed, uh, as I said earlier, in ministry. And we already had one daughter who was very, she was still young in diapers, not even walking. And his son uh, was living with us. He was six at the time. And then we we got Lauren soon after. So, and then when I, when Lauren was three months old, here comes Buddy. So it was like boom, boom, bam. They came so quick, and he was really active in ministry. I couldn't always go. You know, he was gone a lot. He was helping with the pastor. I was home with the kids, but he was gone. And it was a struggle for me initially. I think my mom really helped me in that area of process just through that time. But had I just thrown a fit and, like, you gone too much and you need to be here with me and these kids and be here and you gone and, but, you know, there was a little bit of that, you know, initially. But, you know, God really had to deal with me on it. And, you know, I had support. I had help. But I learned that he needed, he needed to do what he was doing. And it was so beneficial for him, and it's taken off so much now just based on the way he served, you know, the man of God at that time. Uh, and then we went through a, pro- a process where it was his turn because I started once the kids got a little bit older, um, and by a little older I mean could walk. <laughs> they were all walking. Um, I started taking classes at the church. I started, um, Dr. Glover had um, a, a Bible institute there, so it was my, t- I started taking classes at the church. He was home with the kids. Um, we took some classes together, and then I also enrolled back in college because I left Atlanta with one year left on my degree that I didn't finish, and he prompted and pushed, you need to do it, you need to finish this year. And I finished it in like an accelerated course. It was, it was intensive. He kept the kids. He watched them while I studied. You know, he supported. It was my turn to to be supported. I had supported him. Then I was supported. And uh, after I finished classes at the church, I got my first speaking engagement invite, and it was in Africa. So my very first speaking assignment was in Africa. So he was home with the kids, and I was in Africa, you know, and I I went two or three times, and, you know, it goes back and forward, you know, and even now, you know, he was starting the ministry, even though we're doing it together, you know, he's pioneering it, but I'm right there with him, you know, and I'm supporting him. I mean, there have been times when, when I wasn't working, you know, and he had to, you know, he he was the breadwinner. There were times when he wasn't working, and I had to be the breadwinner. It wasn't a, a matter of, oh, Negro, you ain't working. You got to get up out of here. You know, we can't do that because you never know when it's going to be your turn the next time. But we, we all, we, you know, we support one another, and it's so important to do that because when you when you know that God has spoken to you and, and put you on a course to do something, if the person or the people who are closest to you aren't behind you or aren't supporting you, it makes it just so difficult to be able to, to, to operate and to flow because you don't have that support. Yeah, I got God and I got you, and I'm not downplaying that, but you, you need somebody who can who can say to you, you know, it's going to be all right. Yeah, it was a bad day. It was a bad week. It was a bad month. You know, it was a bad three months, but guess what? I'm right here with you. We're going to make it through If You need that. It helps you to keep going. I agree. I totally agree. Now, let me ask this question. What is the relationship? Well, let me, let me see. How do I want to ask this? With the people that were a part of your past, what kind of relationship do you have with them, or do you even have one with them? And and here's why I ask this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that many of the people who were in your past know who you are now, and they know where you are. And I'm not sure if you know where they are, but if you do, <laughs> what, time, what type of a relationship do you have with them? Do you try to minister to them? Do you tell them that, hey, you know, the road that we were going down together isn't exactly the road we want to go down together? You know, the people, 
you know, in, in the strip, it's so funny. My husband, we were talking about this the other day. Um, I was, I was saying that I wonder. If we were talking about some of the girls who worked in the club when when I was there. So I wonder if I, if, where those girls are. I wonder where they are. You know, what are they doing right now? Because I, I don't. And in, in the strip club, you know, everybody has a, a, another name. So many of the people you don't know unless you. Uh, cultivate some kind of relationship with someone outside of the club. You don't really know the people who are in the people that the girls that work in there. So there's only one, the girl that I was close with, the one who introduced me to the crack cocaine. I we talk from time to time. I know where she is, and we talk, and 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 you know she she got her life together, and and I got my life together. It's really funny that you know we both did. She lives out of state, but you know every so often I'll call her or I'll email and just kind of catch up and see what what you know the other is doing. Uh, there are men who were a part of my life or kind of in and out of my life. I guess I should say during that time. That I I don't really I mean no, I don't know where where they are um, so I really don't have any any connection you know to anyone from back in those days um, and whether or not they know where I am now or remember me I I don't know um, I've not run into anyone I've seen some faces though in some churches that look familiar. <laughs> But you know, I I don't um I I don't run into anyone, so I I don't have you know that opportunity, um, you know, as far in terms of just witnessing to someone who I knew, you know, back right. during that time. I was kind of a loner, so I didn't I didn't hang out with a big group. Well, let me ask you this: if, if there's a lot of people out there, probably going to want to buy your products or contact you for speaking engagement mm-hmm. and that type of thing. So uh, if you would, please give out that information so people can contact you for certainly, whatever reason. Certainly, certainly, certainly. Yeah. Um, if you want to contact me, I can be reached. The, the phone number at the church, I changed for Life Outreach International, and our phone number is 404 201 one seven. Um, you can reach me through a website of either changed that's C H A N G E D for lifeoutreach dot org or Tricia Banks dot org. That's T R E S H A B A N K S dot org. Either of those websites, you can. There's a a contact us page. Um, on the on our church website, um, there's a little bit more information about me, and also on the TreshaBanks.org website. And that phone number, you know, you can reach 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 us here, leave a message. Um, our address here for those who may be in the Atlanta area and want to come by and have a change for life experience. We're located at 1976 Flat Shoals Road. Southeast, we are just past Edville Road before you get on the I-20 westbound exit ramp. So um, I'm actually at the church right now standing outside. And you know where the, the, the big liquor store at? They just built across the street at Edville Road. Uh. <laughs> Once you come through that light, uh, we're on the right. Um, I mean, if you get on the ramp, I pointed you just passed us, but we we're right before the exit ramp. Um, on on uh, right before I twenty, real easy to find. Our Sunday service starts at ten a.m. and especially come this Sunday, our spiritual father he's going to be preaching this Sunday. But our service starts at ten o'clock. Um, our ladies meet on Monday nights at seven thirty p.m. for for real women. I got any men in your life, need some encouragement, some support. The men meet on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. for the cave. They say what's said in the cave stays in the cave. And then we have our Friday night Bible study on uh, at 7 o'clock p.m. So come by and see us. 
contact us online. We're on Facebook. Uh, Change for Life Outreach is the Facebook ID. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, Tricia Banks, look me up, hit me up, add me as a friend. I love meeting new people, so that's how you can reach me. Awesome, awesome. Right? Awesome, awesome. Well, with that being said, we thank you for joining us tonight, and we know we're going to have you come back real soon. <laughs> yes, thank you, Tricia. Thank you so much. You're oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And tell your yeah. husband and the rest of the family we said hello, and I know I know he's going to bring the place down this weekend. Yes, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome. I just cannot wait. I'm so excited. Uh, Bishop Alec Bobo, he is he is dynamic, just down to earth, tell it like it is. My husband is even more so, and Dr. Glover, he's going to, Dr. Glover, he's one of those studious people, but, you know, he's studious, but he can get street. So it, it's just, oh. it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome. I cannot wait. So if you're in Atlanta area, you need to come by Friday night, 8 o'clock, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Good. It's going awesome. to be great. Thank awesome. You so that much. being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight. And we ask you that you please come join us again next week, same time, same channel. Good evening. God bless you all. And good night.